This is Retail Retold, the story of how that store ended up in your neighborhood. I'm your host, Chris Ressa, and I invite you to join my conversation with some of the retail industry's biggest influencers. This podcast is brought to you by DLC Management. Welcome to Retail Retold, everyone. Today, I am joined by Laurel Roach. Laurel is the owner of TriFit Wellness in Phoenix, Arizona. I'm excited for her to be here on the show and share her story. Welcome, Laurel. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Laurel, you have a really interesting story. Why don't you tell us a little bit more about who you are and what you do? Sure. Um, well, you you kind of found me in a little bit of an unorthodox, unorthodox um, manner. I was actually sharing my uh, story on my sobriety on um, on LinkedIn, which obviously is how you found me. So um, I own a gym. Uh, that's my my current gig. Um, but I think just as a person, I've I've always been a very um, passionate and just positive and and driven person. And I didn't really know kind of where I was going to land career-wise. But I did know that I just always wanted to do something where I was helping people. And um, so in every job that I've had, um, you know, as on the employee side and then now on the owner side, that was really, that's really what gets me up in the morning. It's just feeling like I'm making a, a difference in the world in some way. Some people don't care about that. It's like, just show me the money. And that's a really important part of, of who I am and what we do. It's really exhausting, but, uh, but it's a labor of love, you know? So yeah. And before you became a gym owner, what, yes. it, what did you do? So um, as long as I can remember, I think I was a model from about the age of like six or seven, which uh, to the parents listening out there, don't do that to your, to your kids. Um, I don't know. It, it really kind of messed me up in the head, like um, emotionally when, you know, as a female, obviously there's always a, a lot of focus on appearance anyway. And that was just such a constant presence in my, my life that I sort of developed um, eating disorders throughout, throughout high school, that sort of transition to substance abuse and drugs and alcohol in my early twenties. And, um, you know, then you have kids and you're managing a job and I was able to kind of white knuckle it through all, all of that and still perform and, um, function, I guess, but just behind the scenes, I was a, I was a mess. So I think that that story resonates with a lot of people out there in the professional world. Like I don't, I don't look like an alcoholic. Um, as I think some people don't, they're managing their life, but kind of on the inside, they're falling apart. And um, that's one of the things I love about what I do now is I get to really work with the whole person. So not just health and fitness, but like what's going on with them here, you know, too. So it's all important. So really congratulations on where you are now and what a fascinating story. Uh, What was the turning point for you when your life made a real big change and things started going in the other direction for you? Well, I think um, if I had to pinpoint it, uh, and anyone who's ever had a drinking problem, you can only have so many moments where you're just a mess and you wake up in that shame cycle of doing the same thing over and over again and telling yourself you're not going to do it and then doing it again. 
Um, usually most alcoholics have a, a triggering moment. And mine was really, um, I will try not to cry. Um, my, my dad died very suddenly. Um, and I was in, my husband and I rented a place in California for the month um, in July. And this was three years ago, a little over. And I found out um, basically with a text message that my dad had died while I was an hour away from the hospital coming to visit him. I thought he was fine. And he had a heart attack and died before I got there. And so that was kind of one of those pivotal moments where you, you question, well, is there something wrong with the fact that I just want to drown myself in a bottle of wine every night to deal with this? Or is there something else going on here? So that was kind of the beginning. And um, I don't know if you've ever, there's a, a casino here called Talking Stick and they do sunrise yoga up on top of the roof. And I went to that randomly, someone invited me and I was at 5 a.m. doing yoga and they played the song from my dad's funeral. And I felt like it was like this like light bulb moment, like the sun coming up and the music, whatever. And I am just a babbling mess up there. Everybody's looking at me like, what the hell is wrong with this girl? You know, and um, the, the guy there invited me, like invited everybody to this wellness retreat that he was doing. And I felt like I'm supposed to be at this. And that was the first time that anyone had really asked me like all these questions, like, what kind of person do you really want to be? Like, is this, are you living an authentic life? And um, so I went to that retreat. I ended up hiring that person. His name's Donnie Starkins. He's amazing. He's a recovering addict, uh, a recovered addict as well. Um, and so he coached me for a while and that was, that was the common thread in my life that had to change. So I know it's a really long-winded answer. Sorry. <laughs> no. Wow. There's so much there. I, sorry about your loss. And that is truly a wild story. I, I wonder, and so what was your job at the time when this was all going on? You said you white knuckled through it. What, what were you doing for work at that point in time? I was a, uh, a GM at a commercial cleaning company. So I started in sales, um, was really good at that and always got told to stay in my lane, like just go sell it. And things were failing operationally. And I'm like, well, this is my ass on the line if something goes wrong. And so I started going out at night with my cleaning crews, like trash by trash, checking the doors, like making sure things were going well. And I really learned that industry and uh, from the ground up and um, eventually kind of worked my way up to be uh, the GM. And so I, I think about 220 employees at the time. And it's just a very, if you've ever worked in um, property management or those service space, um, nobody's calling you to say thank you when the trash can's not empty. You know what I mean? It's a very complaint driven industry. And so that as someone who is extremely positive and I work really hard. It just, it just wore on me. Like I couldn't ever, um, you know, you'd wake up to just things being wrong all the time. And so, you know, ultimately I just decided that I needed a change and, uh, yeah. So. Got it. So that's what you were doing at the time. And, and, and during this, you know, time in your life, <clears throat> were there major impacts in your family life with your kids and husband? Oh yeah. I mean, I, I remember my daughter who's um, eight now 
And um, she has memories of me, like always being tired on the weekend or, you know, just like things that a little kid wouldn't know, but they know, like they know something's not right, but they don't really know why. Um, she would, she played Barbies all the time and her Barbies would have wine. Like they'd be like, the Barbies would be hanging out and like ordering wine and stuff. And I'm like, I am literally conditioning my child to be a drinker. And, um, and it's been really amazing. Like we have conversations about it now and I'm able to explain to her, like, why we have a history of alcoholism in my family. It's just something that, you know, my husband will have a beer, have, have two beers and he's fine, but we have like really honest, um, open conversations with her about it, which I think is, is good, but that was definitely some of the implications of it for sure. Wow. So thank you for sharing. Cause that all pivoted to where you are today. And we're going to get there in a second. Yeah. I want to take us to a different part of the show. Okay. We, we call this clear the air. I've got three fun questions for you. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. Question one. When is the last time you tried something for the first time? Um, so about a year and a half ago, I would say I, um, decided to start learning to play guitar. Wow. So I was always a singer. Like I grew up uh, as a singer, I was in ensembles and choir and led the worship at my church and all of this. Um, but I could never accompany myself. So I took to car, um, guitar lessons and oh my gosh, it was the most humbling experience <laughs> ever. It's so hard. Imagine. It's like, have you ever like pat, rub your belly and pat your head at the same time? Sure. My instructor called it's there's something with that where using your hands in two different ways. It's so hard. So I actually, when um, COVID was kind of at the worst for my business, I kind of had to let that go and really focus on growing the business back up. Um, but I do plan on, on going back and I had a great teacher. So. Excellent. Okay. Question two. All right. What is one skill you don't possess, but wish you did? Oh, I wish I was better at math. That's one. Okay. <laughs> so the first thing I did when I, when I bought my business is I, I hired a bookkeeper and uh, my husband's a, a business owner as well. And he's like, well, why can't you just, you know, and I'm like, that does not come easily to me. So yeah, it was the first thing I outsourced. What, mm -hmm. uh, what business does your husband run? Uh, he owns a, my husband was a, a professional hockey player for 16 years. Wow. Um, and then when he retired, um, he bought a pool business. Oh. He was an engineer in school and very technical. So he has a pool service business here in Scottsdale. Got it. Um, curious. What, what's your husband's first name? Andy Roach. Andy Roach. Okay. Mm -hmm. who do he play for? He played most of his career was in Europe. He played for St. Louis the year of the lockout. Oh. Um, and scored, scored his first game against uh, Detroit. And he's from Michigan. So that was pretty cool. Oh, very cool. Yeah. Okay. Last question. All right. What is one thing most people agree with, but you do not? Um, I think... You know, maybe people would believe that you should work on the things that you're not good at, like um, that you can change those things and stuff. And and I would say some things, yes, for sure. 
And I am a big believer in like personal development and, and always working on yourself. But in terms of things you're just naturally not good at, um, I believe you double down on the stuff you're good at and you, and you really do minimally any of the other things. Perfect. So, That's yeah. a great answer. I think there's a lot of truth to that, you know, lean into your strengths and uh, good things will happen. So, so you end up um, going from managing this large team in the cleaning business, having a moment where you went to this wellness retreat. And I guess you come out of this wellness retreat and take us away. What happened there? Um, well, I'd already owned the gym at that oh. time. Okay. Yeah. So it wasn't like those like stars aligned at the same time. I'd already owned the gym and, um, you know, the alcohol was just the one thing in my life that, that didn't fit. Like I'm living this very healthy lifestyle. Even when I worked at the cleaning company, I would do challenges for my, my employees. I would take them to the gym. I remember I had, um, these girls that I did a contest and I said, whoever lost the most weight, I bought them a Michael Kors watch. And I was always doing that for free and helping people in that way. Um, I studied nutrition at, um, at, in college for a bit, was actually going back for a second major in dietetics until I realized you can't make any money doing it. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I, I, uh, my husband actually found the gym. That was kind of how it happened. So just the traditional, like small business broker route. Um, I was working like 70 hours a week. I didn't have any time to really find that. So he found it. And um, it was run semi-absentee, um, was cash flowing pretty well. And it was in an industry. He's like, I remember coming home the exact moment. He's like, I think I found it. We looked at a vacuum store. We looked at um, um, a sky zone trampoline park. Sure. There's a couple of things that we looked at. And now I'm like, thank God, like we dodged a bullet on so many. Um, but we ended up uh, buying the gym. And I thought at the time I was so burnt out. I thought I just kind of wanted to run something like semi-absentee, let it do its thing. And I mean, that lasted like a week. And then I got in there and I'm like, all right, what are we doing? And uh, let's build this thing up. So, and I've made a ton of mistakes on the way, but I, you know, I, I, I've learned a lot. It's been six years now. We are going to take a quick break here. And now a word from one of our sponsors. What would be the impact on your business if you could consistently get a lease out the same day an LOI is signed? More time to focus on the things that matter? More money allocated to essential business needs? These are the kinds of things that are made possible with LeasePilot. LeasePilot is the only specialized contract management software application built specifically with commercial property owners in mind. Our cloud-based platform connects your drafting language and asset information to a powerful data-driven backend to help you prepare your leases faster with less room for error. With a team of lawyers and paralegals on staff, the setup process is designed to be painless and at a price point that is a no-brainer. Find us at leasepilot.co to learn more. So going back, you were looking to leave cleaning. When did you decide you wanted to be like an owner and own your own business? Well, I give my, my old boss, uh, Ryan Stark, the company's name was um, Orange Commercial Cleaning. He and I had a really close relationship. He definitely was not the type of owner who wanted a bunch of yes men. Like we, we would kind of battle about things, but he wanted people to have ideas. 
and disagree with him if, if it meant disagreeing with him, but we would debate things and really try to be innovative about the way that we did stuff. And so I think he really encouraged that entrepreneurial spirit in me. My dad was an entrepreneur. Um, so I know I always had that and I wanted to be a leader. Um, and I think it just came at the right time, having the necessary skills, like running a PL and managing like the sales and operations, dealing with people. I, I had that after a number of years that I felt comfortable kind of diving into it on my own and, and kind of wanted to be in control of my own schedule at that point. So, so you start looking at a bunch of different businesses mm -hmm. and your husband finds this gym. He comes home and says, you're going to be a gym owner. Mm -hmm. And was it a tough negotiation in buying the gym from the existing owner? Was it, did you guys struggle on price or was it pretty easy? No, it, it was pretty easy. Actually, it was kind of ironic. The, the previous owner that we bought it from um, had a corporate background as well for a, a much larger company. And he, from, from our brief interactions, it seemed like was fairly burnt out. And that's why he had kind of like, I'm going to take a step back and, and just do this for a while. And I think he had maybe had a sick um, relative or something. So that was the reason that he was, he was selling. So it was, it was pretty easy and he was very helpful to me and provided all the documentation and stuff. So I think I lucked out there cause I wouldn't have really known, you know, what to expect. Um, but it was, it was a good process for sure. And the, the, the gym, you said it was cash flowing. So it was, it was profitable when you bought it. You didn't have to like turn it around in that regard. Well, he wasn't really spending any money. So that was the thing that I would say if, somebody's looking for a business, you know, you, I just didn't know what I didn't know. Um, but like it, it had, it needed a new AC unit. That's $14,000. They didn't have anyone doing cleaning. They're like mopping the floors in the middle of gym hours and having, you know, just certain things that you probably should have been spending money on, but maybe he knew he was going to sell it. So he was trying to make it look a little bit better. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was doing okay. Um, and then we invested quite a bit into it back then was the the concept the same as you have today or was it did you totally change everything no it's it's very different and that's probably one of the biggest mistakes that I made is that you know when you come into a new business especially one that you're taking over a different concept I thought that I knew these are our clients this is our brand this is who we are and you really have to um I think let that kind of develop organically. Um, if you're starting something new, of course not. But when you're taking over, you inherit a certain type of thing. So um, I think in the beginning, I thought we were all about the busy professional and this and that. Now, I mean, we are the gym for non-gym people. That is what it is. And we have a very clear um, target demographic, a very, very um, clear idea of like who our ideal customer is. I know exactly what their challenges are before I get on the phone with them because we've just been very clear at that and it's taken six years to get there. So no overnight successes. So, yeah. <laughs> so you, you came in, were you able to grow the, in over six years, how much have you grown the revenue by, by really investing and changing mm -hmm. the business? 
Well, we grew um, 30% the first three years. Wow. And yep. And then started to kind of go flat that fourth year. And um, at that time, I started because I had a corporate background, I started kind of looking into corporate wellness. And I thought I can sell to that, like, I can sell to these people. This is what I do. And so I started going that direction and um, really had quite a bit of traction on that side, got a, a whole bunch of different um, clients and ultimately decided to let that side of the business go with the exception of one or two clients that I still have, just because it's very different in my business when somebody comes to you and says, here, I will pay you money. Please help me. I'm ready. I'm going to work for this or in the corporate on the corporate wellness side, I'm going to them trying to incentivize them to want it and care about their health. So it's two very different mindsets. And I just decided I wanted to play on this side of the people that wanted to do it. Got it. So you were growing business by like 30%. You started to get flat. And at that point, you went to the corporate side, mm -hmm. let that go. And then COVID, killed then COVID us. hits. <laughs> then COVID hits. Yeah. Tell us about your experience in COVID. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite quotes is a bad day or uh, what is it? A bad day for the ego is a great day for the soul. That could not have been more true in my, my situation. So I realized going into COVID um, that, that year, 2020, I was like, we're going to crush it. We're going to do this and that. And it's like, when you let your ego get too big and think that things can't happen to you and you're unstoppable and all that, I think that's what things do. Not that COVID's because of me or happened because of me or anything. Um, but I really had to let go of a lot of control. You know, there was only so much we could do and we lost 60% of our revenue. Um, I almost let the gym go in March of last year. Um, I kept all my employees paid. I didn't take a salary for a year and a half. Thankfully, we have other things, so I didn't need to, but um, it was really, really hard. And I think, number one, I could not have done that had I not been sober. That would have been an absolute nightmare. So I thank God for that. And um, it really gave me the time, I think, to go back to the drawing board, figure out how do I figure out what is the best way to help my customers? What is it that they need? What, what keeps them up at night? What are the things that they really are struggling with? And I really designed with the help of my team, of course, a program that gives our clients literally everything they need to be successful um, in their fitness journey where I didn't have that before. Like it was an incomplete service. And um, now I feel so confident about um, how we help people and what we do. Um, so it's really been a blessing in disguise. And then we come back, um, hundred percent to our pre COVID numbers and, um, anticipating a really, really successful 2022. So I'm very grateful. Yeah. Congrats. So almost shut down in March of 21. Yeah. What, what got you like through it? Like from a business perspective, what, when did it start to change and what was the turning point of like, all right, I can see the light at the end of the tunnel here. Well, um, I think more me as an individual, I'm so competitive and frankly, I hated feeling like a loser. 
like it, it pissed me off. Like after a certain period of time of not being successful and feeling like you're just like, oh, like it just dragged on and on. Um, and I remember I actually tried to break my lease and give the gym away, like to a few different people and nobody would take it. Like they wouldn't even, and I'm sitting here thinking how much work I've put into this, how much money I've put into this. And I can't even give this thing away. People were scared to take, you know, like in the thick of all this stuff, people were like, oh, I don't know. And um, I really think it was a God thing at the time. It was like, I had to go through that, be willing to lose it all. And to realize that I really wanted to do this and I wanted to grow it back. And so I did, I just really methodically, um, I set my goals. I had, you know, sales goals every, every week. Um, I tracked everything like religiously and, um, you know, just hyper, hyper focused last year on getting it back to a better place. Wow. Tried to give it away. Couldn't give it away. So tell me about the location. What, what type of property is it in? Is it a retail property an industrial property? What, where, where is it? It's a, we are right on Camelback road at fifth street, which is, um, called Midtown in, in central Phoenix. So very desirable area, Fox restaurants, um, like AJ's drugstore or AJ's food, fine foods, um, lots of restaurants. Um, it's a high end area. Um, so, and we are right on the street on Campbellback road. So we yeah. have street location, street location in a retail plaza. Um, so the location's great. It's an older building, but, um, but the inside of it looks awesome. We have exposed beams and it's cool. It's small boutique. So how many members are at any one time or, you know, can you, you know, what's a good annual membership number count for you, right? I, you know, planet fitness there in the thousands, right? The, the, what are you and how, is it class-based? Give me a little bit more about the, what type of gym it is. Yeah. So, I mean, we're a personal training studio. That's our roots are as a personal training studio. So back when there was only big box retail, the original owners developed the concept of small group training. So there was no orange theory F45, like none of this existed at the time. And um, that is still kind of our our core. We don't do any one-on-one -on -one training because frankly, I don't think people need it. Like the majority of people do not need one-on-one, -on -one, but they do need some level of personalization, you know, to make sure that they know how to do the movements. If you go to a large group class, most people are lost. They have no idea what they're doing. They're going to get hurt. So we cap our um, classes at 10 people. Um, Got it. And it's a more expensive membership. So $300 a month um, membership. But with that, they get unlimited uh, training. They get their um, nutrition. So we have a, um, a health coach who's a certified health coach. She also has her degree in psychology. So she's dealing with the mind, the mental aspect, as well as the food. And um, so meal planning calls, education calls, and weekly accountability calls on the nutrition side. And then we check their progress on an in-body machine. I don't know if you've heard of those. Sure. They're like a, you know, how we check biometrics. And um, yeah, so they really have everything. My team runs attendance reports every week. So, you know, why don't people get results, right? Like Planet Fitness doesn't care if you show up. 
And I will tell people all the time, like, I don't want your money if you're not coming here. Like, I want you to come here and like get what you pay for. So sometimes we have tough conversations with people and say, hey, you said you wanted this. Like, where have you been? What's what's happening? And I think people need that level of accountability. Otherwise, we don't have six packs, right? <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Okay. So what's next is, is are you sticking with this? Are you going to enter other industries? Are you going to open up more tri-fits? Uh, what's, what's next? Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not really sure. I'm kind of at the point where I'm really, um, I'm really focusing on our systems for the business. Um, if anybody who's listening, that's a newer business owner, if you never read the book, E-Myth, um, it's literally called the entrepreneurial myth. It just talks about systems. It was the first book that was ever recommended to me uh, when I became a business owner. So just kind of dialing in that, like if your business operates around you, it's not going to be worth very much, you know? So what is your system for sales, for customer service, for, you know, pretty much everything. And um, so that's kind of my goal for this year, like building our numbers up, getting the systems in place. And then I'll decide if it's something that I want to open. I do have a couple people in my mastermind group that had talked about um, financing me if I wanted to franchise. Um, they've got experience with franchising and you know have the, the money to do so. Um, so that may be an avenue to explore or maybe I just open one. I haven't really decided, but that will probably be the route I go. Great. And um, you're also hosting a, a wellness retreat soon? Yes. Yeah. And that is really a passion project of mine, really, because of kind of what I shared with you in the beginning, that was such a powerful, um, like, I guess, moment in my life that I, I really, really changed and went this from this direction to this direction. So um, this event's going to be very intimate, it's only 16 to 20 women um, hosted in um, Cave Creek, Arizona at Savannah Wellness Resort, which is freaking beautiful, like place is just um, amazing. And um, yeah, so it's really focused on weight loss, food, gut health, hormones, like giving people kind of these women, they're the fundamentals of health. And then also when they leave, they have the support of everybody that they were there with for the next um, 12 weeks to make sure they actually implement some of the things that they learned. So I'm excited about that one. Excellent. Okay. Really appreciate you coming on and sharing your story. Uh, thank you so much. I want to take us to the last part of the show. I got three more fun questions for you. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. What extinct retailer do you wish would come back from the dead? Oh my gosh. Um, I mean, this makes no sense, but Blockbuster. All right. I had the best memories of like with my dad, like going there and you get like the popcorn at the front or he'd always let us get like a candy you know, like renting our movie. So I'm going to go Blockbuster. Blockbuster. Okay. What is the last item over $20 you purchased in a store? I do majority of my shopping in the store. Like not, not like Amazon type thing, but I'm kind of a clothes snob. So every clothing purchase is in the store. <laughs> Understood. Okay. Last question. If you and I were shopping at Target and I lost you, what aisle would I find you in? Toy aisle, 100%. I have an eight-year-old. 
There you go. <laughs> I'm there as well. I hear you. It's probably where you yeah. find me. Okay. Well, Laurel, this was great. I really appreciate the time. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening to Retail Retold. If you want to share a story about a retail real estate deal that you were a part of on our show, please reach out to us at retailretold at dlcmgmt.com. This show highlights the stories behind the deals from all perspectives. So it doesn't matter if you are a retailer, broker, entrepreneur, architect, or an attorney. Also, don't forget to subscribe to Retail Retold so you don't miss out on next Thursday's episode.